Hey guys, Kyler back with Kyler Burrell's Unedited Podcast, episode number six. Uh, sorry we missed Sunday and everything, been been a little delayed this week, had some stuff going on, but we're going to do this one today. I just wanted to get one out before the fights tomorrow um, and stuff like that, and then I'll get going again, either Sunday or Monday of next week, we'll get the next one going. Um, we'll start off with, uh, so obviously everyone knows the Big Ten's coming back now, here comes the MAC. here comes the Pac-12. Listen, though, Pac-12, if you're going to play seven games, don't play. Just don't play at all. Seven games? I don't even understand the point. If they're still going to do playoffs and stuff, you're going to have no chance. If your best team goes 7-0 versus a team that goes 9-1 or 10-0, you have no chance getting the playoffs. So what are you playing for? I don't understand that. I don't understand coming back and only doing seven games and not starting until November. Don't understand that. Same as the Big Ten, though. Eight games? Why? Does that make much sense to me? Really doesn't. Um, I don't really understand it. I'm not gonna lie. Uh, I, just, I think yeah, just play the play your ten play double digit games like the other conferences, or don't play, or just sit out this year. I mean, I'd rather games than no games at all. But seven or eight games. Well, what if so? Let's say the ACC and the SEC and the Big Twelve all have teams go undefeated and win their conference title. Let's say Oklahoma, Clemson, and Alabama all go undefeated and win their conference title. Well, let's say a team like Florida goes 10-1 versus a team that's 8-0. Well, I would take the team that went, played more games and has more and has more experience to go on this year. To, has 10 wins. I'd go with that. I don't know. Does that make much sense to me? Uh, Heat-Celtics game 5 about to come on. That's what I'm watching right now as we're doing the podcast. Big one tonight for the season. So, Gill's getting to the NBA right now. Obviously, Lakers and Heat have both taken 3-1 leads. Oh, I'm getting my live prediction right now. I'm going to take Boston tonight. I honestly think Boston has better players and is the better team. But I think Miami has fought harder and played harder. That's why they are up. And I think Eric Spolstra is absolutely out coaching Brad Stevens. I said it before and I'll say it again. Eric Spolstra is the best coach in the NBA outside Greg Popovich. Eric Spolstra would be the second best coach in the NBA. He's definitely the best coach that made the playoffs. He's got these guys playing with confidence. That zone defense is doing work. I don't understand. Boston has not been able to figure out how to stop the zone. Or, get, I mean, get past the zone. But I like Boston tonight. I like Boston to come out and get the win tonight. Um, yeah. I think Boston fights. I think Boston forces at seven. I said heat and seven, so I'm, I'm looking for heat and seven. I want to get this prediction completely right. So I'm looking for Boston to win the next two. Um, obviously, Lakers took a 3-1 lead with a 114-108 win against Denver. Great win for the Lakers. Um, they obviously – it wasn't a must win for L.A. Obviously, it was must, must, much more must win for Denver. People are like, oh, they're down 3-1. They got the Lakers right where they want them. Well, let me tell you let me tell you something, Denver fans and morons out there. I'll tell you, if you ask the Nuggets, would you rather be down 3-1 or 2-2, I'll tell you what they'd say. I'm sorry, Denver fans and morons. The Utah Jazz are not walking through that tunnel. Kawhi Leonard, Pandemic P, Lululemon Pepper Wings is not walking through that tunnel. The greatest player of all time and the best big in the game and maybe the best player in the game right now and LeBron James and Anthony Davis are walking through that tunnel. You are not beating them three straight times. I'll bet my life on it. 
Like I would literally say, somebody said, you know, I kind of think I think the Nuggets are really going to come back from three one again. I'll give you a I'll give you a thousand. Somebody said I'll give you a thousand dollars if the Lakers win the series, but if the Lakers lose, you, you know, there's no way they're losing. I'm trying to tell you. I mean, obviously I really wouldn't do that, but I'm just saying there's no way the Los Angeles Lakers lose this series. There's no way. 3-1. You're not beating LeBron three straight times. You ain't beating LeBron three straight times. I'll tell you that right now. Uh, 76 was looking for big moves this offseason. I heard two today. Obviously, looking to trade for... They're hoping to trade possibly Al Horford's contract and a couple picks and flip it for Brad, for uh, Buddy Heald. And then I also heard today that they want to hire D'Antoni and hoping they can lure Harden to Philly. Wow. So, Philly is looking to make moves. <laughs> Moves this offseason. Good for them, as they should. They they have a winning. They have two guys that can play that should be playing later in the playoffs in the first round or the second round. You know, so I mean, yeah, I agree completely. Go go, go big or go home. I've always said that. I'm not a fan of tanking, especially when you do it as long as teams have done it. The Kings, the Knicks, you know, teams like that. Dude, you got to be bold. You have to be bold. What has LeBron James teams always been? Bold. Man, we have this young guy in Andrew Wiggins that we could possibly be our future for a long time. We're going to flip him for a legit star in Kevin Love right now because we want to win championships now. If your idea is to win championships, if you're coming in as a GM and you want to make your team better and win championships, you must be bold. The Cavs were bold. The Heat. Went out. They didn't really. They traded draft picks away. They wanted, they wanted veterans. Mike Miller, Shane Battier, Ray Allen. Sure, they had some young guys and like Mario Chalmers and Norris Cole, but they were mainly made up of veterans. You know. Even though Shaq was on his way out of L.A., Miami gets goes big. Go home and 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 trades for Shaquille O'Neal and wins a title a year or two or two years later. You got to go big or go home, fellas. I mean, uh, obviously Harden and Chris Paul didn't get together. So you know what the Rockets are like? We got to try something different because we're going to continue. If this is going to continue to happen, we got to try something different. Let's bring in Russell Westbrook, who's younger than Chris Paul, who James Harden really likes. Let's see if we can do something. Go big or go home. The Rockets. You know what? People do not like the Rockets, but I respect the Rockets because they go big or they're going home. They're not here to settle. They'll trade Clint Capella and go completely small ball to fit their superstars' ways. Five out, let him drive and kick, and let him do his thing. I like it. I again, do some people? Do I like? Do I really like the small ball thing with no center? No, not really. But guess what? I respect it because they're not going to sit there and just say, "Yeah, we're just going to be content with being, you know, second rounders or definitely getting to the conference finals, but but losing to one, to the better teams." Harden said it best this summer. We're looking to get better. We want to make a trade for a, a, another guy. Whether it's a possible Victor Oladipo, a Zach Levine, a Bradley Beal. They want to make moves. It's go big or go home. Well, I've always loved Mark Cuban. He's always, even if Dallas strikes out, they've always been able, they've always gone after the big time guys. They've always gone after superstars in free agency, even if they struck out. Now they drafted Luka Doncic, and guess what? Now. The, the Mavericks can have a lot of leverage when they hit. If, if, what if, Gian, if Giannis hits for agency next year? Okay, so his options are going to be probably the Warriors, 
An aging Warriors team, the Raptors, an aging Raptors team, the Miami Heat's a good option as well. Or do I go play with this guy who might be the best player in the league in two years and also Chris Porzingis, who's 25 years old? Do I go play with that team because we have about a seven-year window to win, eight-year window to win championships? It's worked out for Mark Cuban now. He's been so aggressive, so aggressive. It hasn't worked out for him. And then they, they're bad, really bad one year. They get Luka Doncic. And now it's now Mark Cuban's like, see, all comes full circle. Now we're going to be able to... We're going to be able to get guys and superstars in free agency and stuff because we have Luka Doncic. We have a legit superstar. In my opinion, the third or fourth best player in the world. I probably have him at four. Four, three. Tough call. Tough call between him. I would put, probably put him at four. I can't disrespect KD, so I'd probably have him at four. So you have a top five player in the world. It's worked. I love teams that go for it, man. Yes, did I hate the Warriors signing Kevin Durant? Yes, but they said, we're going for it. They said with their core group, they could not beat LeBron James and Kyrie Irving. That's what they came to a conclusion. So they went out and got Kevin Durant, and now we can beat them. Go big or go home, man. Look at the Knicks. Try to tank and be bad. They get hosed in the lottery every year. You said you didn't, you didn't even offer Kevin Durant because he had an injury. You would have a superstar going in next year, and guess what? You could have been players in the offseason this year for for you could have been even more of a player for trades this offseason because teams players like Bradley Beal or Victor Oladipo or Chris Paul would love to go to New York and play with Kevin Durant. I'm not saying Durant would have chose the Knicks over the Nets, but you didn't even offer the guy a deal. You didn't even give him a phone call. The Kings. What are you doing? You're drafting all these guys, man. One of them's made, I mean, a couple of them turned out right. I mean, Darren Fox is really good. Buddy Hill's pretty good. Marvin Bagley ain't the guy you thought he was. At some point, man, you have to be ballsy and go for it. <laughs> Especially these small market teams. Trades are their best thing to do. And I would love to see the Kings go after somebody really good. I think you're going to see the Suns be big time players in free agency. I think you're going to see the Suns be big time players in the trade market. They're going to go for it because the Suns now have figured out they have a team. They have, you know, Aiton's going to be a really good center for a long time. Devin Booker is going to be one of the best shooting guards for the next five, six, seven, eight years. Got to go for it, in my opinion. You just got to go for it. Uh, Bulls hire uh, Billy Donovan to a four-year, $24 million deal. So when when the Thunder first said, we're not going to bring back Billy... First off, I thought that I mean, okay, the Thunder are going to hire a really young coach, and they're going to try to they're going to trade away all their. They're going to. I don't think they resign Gallinari, and I probably think they end up trading away. Chris Ball, Dennis Schroeder, and Stephen Adams this offseason to acquire young guys and assets. I think that's what they're going to do. So at first, I was like, damn, isn't that really bad? I mean, Billy Donovan really overachieved this year. But then I thought about it. He had Kevin Durant for a few years. I would say Billy Donovan, though, more underachieved in his career, not getting to an NBA Finals with the, with Durant. Then overachieved. So I was like, you know, maybe it's not that bad. Now we're going to really find out if Billy Donovan's a good coach. You go to the East, and okay, let's say next year you're going to have the Bucks, you're going to have the Nets, the Celtics, the Raptors, and the Heat for sure. You have the Indiana Pacers, which they may lose Old Depot, so they may fall off a little. So really, you have six, seven, eight is going to be wide open next year, in my opinion, for who gets in. If Billy Donovan's a really good coach with the young talent that Chicago has, can he, he was a college coach, so he, he should. This should be a great situation for Billy Donovan because he's going into a team that's super young. It's like coaching a college team. He's got to develop these guys and get this team good. In my opinion, looking at that Bulls roster with the young talent they have in Levine, Kobe White, 
Markinen and Wendell Carter Jr. and possibly bring Otto Porter Jr. back, that starting five, I don't think there's any way they should not make the playoffs and one of those eight, seven, or six seeds. Not a chance. They're, yeah, you got to compete with the Magic. The Pacers probably could, might get worse. Who knows if the Magic keep Vucevic? He's going to be highly sought after in the in the trade in trade in, uh, trades this offseason. You know, we'll see how much better the Hornets are. What are the Wizards going to do? Are they going to move off Bradley Beal? You know, then they get worse. The Hawks. You know, there's a lot of teams that I think really six through eight is probably it's very undecided. Now let's say Oladipo comes back to Indiana next year and they don't trade him. Six is one through six is probably sealed. So two, seven eight is very is very up for grabs. In my opinion, the Bulls should be able to grab one of those spots. Or very close to it next year, and then the year after they should be there. Also depends what they do with Levine. Does Levine want to stay in Chicago? We don't know. We don't know yet. Well, obviously, we'll know more about that when the finals are over and then everyone starts talking trades and free agency. Then we'll know more about that. Billy Donovan, this is this is a great opportunity for him to show everybody I can coach, especially he has a young team. you got to give him a few years for sure. But I think, the, in, even in year one, I think they should be competing at least at the ninth. They should be at the ninth spot in the East next year at the worst, in my opinion. And then year two to four, he should be in the playoffs every year. Because they have a draft pick this year. So they haven't ever, I think they're, they're probably going to be, what were the Bulls? I'm not sure what the Bulls are. So you have a top 14 draft pick. You can get another young guy in there that he can develop. He was a great college coach. I would think he'd be able to develop. These this young team. He's. I mean, it's not obviously it's not really a college team, but d- damn close to it with the young talent they have. Levine, Kobe White, Markin, and Wendell Carter, and you add a lottery pick. You know, Denzel Valentine, Chandler Hudson, Gafford. You have a lot of young guys. He's a good developer. He should be a good developer. He was in college. He should be good here. I think it's a great spot for Donovan, but he's got a lot to prove, in my opinion. It's a great spot, but a lot to prove. Um, is there too much friction between the Clippers and PG for them to bring him back? So this is a big topic. I don't think this is... Okay, it's a big topic for some people, especially after you hear how PG tried to give a speech in the uh, locker room after the loss to Denver, and most players were shocked that he was giving a speech, and most players were rolling their eyes. There was rumors that Reggie Jackson and Montrezl Harrell left the locker room. I'm not sure if that's true or not. I don't know what they. I just don't know what his value is. His value was very high after the OKC season. Even though they got bounced in round one, he had a pretty solid year. So his trade value was very high. Obviously, OKC got five picks and two pick swaps. So I don't. His value is definitely not that though. After this playoff run, definitely not that. I don't think you can put all the blame on him. You have to put some of the blame on Kawhi. So, like, I mean, you got to put the blame on Kawhi and everything, but... Because, I mean, you can't come out, though, and score zero points in the fourth quarter. Kawhi and PG both. You can't do that. Um, so, we'll get into now last segment for the NBA. What a fourth title means for Braun and why the LeBron haters are running out of ideas and running out of reason to not say he's the greatest of all time. If he's able to win... What sucks for LeBron is I think he must win Finals MVP. If he does not win Finals MVP, people are going to say, okay, well, the fourth title, me, fourth title, you weren't even the best player on your team. It was Anthony Davis. So how much does it actually mean? If he wins Finals MVP, though, on a third different team and is able to get his fourth title, no doubt in my mind, you mean he's 
to me, he's already the greatest player of all time. Everything after that title in Cleveland would just was just going to be bonus. You know, the 2017 run, obviously, they won, or yeah, they won, they won one game against Golden State, which, I mean, that Golden State team, maybe the greatest team ever assembled. Um, his stats that he put up there that year was, I think it was 33, 33, 12, and 11. Unbelievable stats. And then, obviously, the next year, Kevin Love's injured most of the playoffs. Kyrie's gone. He had a 50-point game one, and they lost. And then he fractures his hand. So, I mean, everything after the everything after the title in Cleveland was a bonus. In 2016, LeBron, I think, solidified himself as the greatest player of all time. And if he's able to get another title this year and a Finals MVP, I just don't think there's any debate. I, there's really no I, there's no real debate for me now, but there's definitely no debate. It's 100% LeBron James is the greatest ever. If he's able to capture a third Finals MVP with three different teams, be the first player to ever do that in NBA history. No NBA player's ever done that. So, yeah, I mean, I just don't think – they're running out of ideas. And I think once he wins the title this year and he does get Finals MVP, there's going to be no questions. So we'll get into we'll do we'll do combat sports next or no we'll do NFL. Um, so the Texans have shown a lot of interest in signing Antonio Brown. So you trade away DeAndre Hopkins for David Johnson, a second rounder. Now you're interested in getting AB. Doesn't make sense to me what's going on over there in Houston. Another tough game for them. Who do they they play? They play the Steelers this week. So a brutal brutal schedule to start. And now you get in my opinion the best defense in the NFL. But, yeah, I guess they have interest in A.B. A.B. can't play till after week eight, I think. So he's eligible to play week nine. But we'll see what happens. Uh, Jimmy G is out versus the Giants. Uh, Nick Mullins will start. Rough injuries for the for the Niners start the year. Raheem Mosert, Jimmy G, Nick Bosa, and George Kittle all injured. Oh, and uh, Debo Samuel. So a lot of injuries piling up for the Niners. Um, Chargers will start. Rookie quarterback Justin Herbert this week. I think Tyrod Taylor is able to play, but they are going to roll with Herbert. And I think they should. I mean, he comes in his first game. He doesn't even know he's starting until an hour before the game, and he throws for 311 yards and a touchdown uh, against the defending Super Bowl champion. So really good performance by him, and I think they should start him. I always think if you draft a quarterback top 10, if he's fully healthy, I think you just got to let him play immediately because it's the only way for him to get better. I mean, I think it, it was good for maybe a good dude, maybe a year, but I, I would even think halfway through the season, if you're doing bad, you just throw him in there. Obviously, it's a different situation with Tua. He's injured. He's well, he's, he's he's healing up, but he's not. They don't think he's fully healthy yet. So I mean, I get that one. Like the Bengals starting Joe Burrow, especially if you draft quarterback number one overall, you got to start him almost immediately. They did that, obviously. Um, Giants signed Devonte Freeman. Obviously, Saquon is out for the year with a torn ACL. Rough news for them. Don't like seeing that on a young running back, especially how explosive he is. That's not a good injury to get in your career. Browns have said that they have had no discussions with any team on trading OBJ, as they shouldn't. I don't think they get. I I don't think they get better by trading OBJ. So I don't see the reason to trade him. It doesn't make any sense to me at all. So we'll get into my week three game or week three game predictions. Last week went fourteen and two, so I'm twenty three and nine total. Big improvement from week one. Uh, opening night or uh, Thursday night football, I did have Dolphins beating Jags by a touchdown. Obviously, they ended up winning by eighteen, so we do start off one and zero on the week. Sunday's early games, uh, I got the Browns beating uh, the Washington football team twenty seven seventeen. Then you got Raiders Patriots big game. Raiders are undefeated. They look really good to start the year. Patriots look really good as well, even though they're 1-1. One one, they had a chance, obviously, one yard away from beating the Seahawks. I got Patriots 31-27. And 
Bears-Falcons, I think the Falcons do find a way to get a win and bounce back from that, obviously, just a meltdown against the Cowboys. Uh, 27-26 Falcons. Uh, Bills-Rams, probably, I would say, for the for the early games, it's probably the second best game of the second best game of the week. Both teams two and zero. I got Bills twenty three twenty. I think it'd be a really good game. Could go either way for sure. Um, Titans Vikings. Um, I got the Titans over the Vikings thirty twenty three. Don't like the Vikings defense, and don't like how Kirk Cousins is playing really either. Now Forty Niners Giants. Um, obviously, all those injuries for the Niners. Saquon's out. So, um, but I'm going Giants 20 to 16 this week. 20 to 17. I'm going Giants. I got 2017. My bad. Giants win 20 to 17 at home, in my opinion. Uh, Eagles don't like Carson. I've told you about the Eagles. I just don't think Carson Wentz is that guy, and I don't think the Eagles are a very good team. I have the Bengals upsetting the Eagles this week, 24 21. Steelers Texans again, another tough one for the Texans. Um, been a rough go for their schedule. You start off Chiefs, Ravens, Steelers. In my opinion, probably the three best teams in the NFC. All three are probably the best in the NFC or the AFC. They're probably the three best teams in the AFC. I'm going Steelers 31-20. I just don't think Houston's going to find the, the the trading of Hopkins still still mind boggling. Uh, we'll get to the Sunday late game. So this is three o'clock on uh, Jets Colts. I got the I think the Jets will put up more of a fight. I got the Colts running 27-23 though. Panthers Chargers. Obviously, this will be Herberts. First legit start because I mean he gets a full week of practice as getting the starting reps. I got the Chargers winning 24-17. Obviously McCaffrey's out four to six weeks with the ankle as well. Lions Cardinals. Cardinals haven't disappointed me all year. Or at least the first two weeks. They have not disappointed me at all. They are the team who I thought they were. Their defense is going to be good. They're deep by week eight, I think their defense can be one of the best in the NFL. And their offense is already one of the best in the NFL. Cardinals 31-21 over the Lions. Buccaneers, Broncos. I haven't liked what I've seen from Brady or Breeze. Honestly, the two older quarterbacks, I haven't liked what I've seen from them with their arm. I don't know. We'll see if it's just – I think the Buccaneers is more of definitely just meshing together. I think Breeze, it just looks like his arm's kind of toast. In my opinion, his arm just – it doesn't look very good. But I do have the Buccaneers winning this week 23-13 over the Broncos. Broncos obviously going to have to play a backup. Drew Locke is out. Cowboys, Seahawks. Everyone is – you know, the Cowboys have not played well this year, definitely. Not either, even in the second game. Even against the Falcons, you were able to get a, a wild win off, off an onside kick. I did not think the Cowboys played well. The offense is, has been very inconsistent through two weeks. The defense has not been good through two weeks. I think the Cowboys are going to come out pissed off about how people are talking, though. Uh, I think they are going to be able to – the Cowboys' red zone defense, I think they're going to be able to hold the Seahawks to more field goals. I got the Cowboys winning 34-30 against Seattle. I think they come out. They're going to look to – I think with playing Seattle, even though Mike McCarthy said we're going to score as fast as possible, I still think the Cowboys, they're going to run the ball a lot and they're going to try to dominate time of possession, which they need to do. Um, so, yeah. I think they come out and run the ball with Zeke. Zeke hasn't had a game over 100 yards yet this year. I think he goes over 100, closer to 150 this week. I like the Cowboys 34-30. Packers-Saints. Most likely no Michael Thomas. This is Sunday Night Football. I got the Packers winning 35-27. I don't like the Saints' defense so far either, especially look how they were against the uh, against the Raiders. Well, I think the Packers are going to be doing they, – they can do even better than the Raiders could. So, yeah, I got the Packers 35-27. Monday Night Football, already the biggest game of the week, probably the most hyped game of the year. 
Chiefs-Ravens in Baltimore. I'm going Chiefs 28-24. Thinks going to be a great game. Um, obviously, probably the two best quarter or no, one in one in three or one in four best quarterbacks in the uh, in the National Football League. Definitely two of the top four quarterbacks in the NFL. Uh, but I like the Chiefs twenty eight twenty four. So now I'll get into my spreads of the week. Last week, so first week I was three and one. Last week I was f- or three and two. Last week I was four and one. Seven and three on the year. That's a pretty good start. I was bad last year. I think I was. I think I ended the year under 500 on bets. So starting off 7-3 and three is really, got, really good. Uh, Giants plus 4.5 against the Niners. I like that line, especially with all the injuries for the for the Niners. I like Bengals at plus 5.5 over the Eagles. Uh, Titans minus 2.5 versus the Vikings. Cardinals minus 5.5 versus the Lions. I bet on the Cardinals the first two weeks, and they've, they've nailed all of my bets for me. Uh, Chiefs plus 4.5 against the Ravens. I can't believe they're laying down 4.5. I'll definitely take the Chiefs there. Now I'll get into uh, my post-week two MVP rankings. At five, I have top four all-quarterbacks. Number five, though, I have Calvin Ridley. He's been the best receiver in the NFL probably. Him or DeAndre Hopkins. But I like the start that Ridley's had. I really like Calvin Ridley, and he's playing really well right now. So I got him at five. At four, I got Kyler Murray. Again, great start to the season for Murray. Cardinals are the team I thought they were. Murray is going. Is the quarterback I thought he was. Top five quarterback in the NFL for years to come, if not top three. And the Cardinals are going to be great for years to come. At number three, I got Aaron Rodgers. Including myself, I doubted Aaron Rodgers going into the year. Um, Would he be mentally invested in the Packers after they draft a quarterback in the first round? He has been invested and more. He looks like Aaron Rodgers from six, seven years ago. Looks phenomenal. Don't Don't doubt Rodgers yet. I love the Packers. Their defense needs to sure up a little bit, but I love what Aaron Rodgers is doing. He's a three. At two, Cam Newton. I'm not sure anyone – I'm not sure anyone – I mean, a month ago, we didn't we didn't even know if Cam Newton would be the starter. I'm not sure anyone thought that Cam Newton would have the start to the season he's had, especially the last last week, 400 total yards. I think he had three or four total touchdowns. I'm not sure anyone saw this coming and the way he's playing. You know, I, he's got to be up there for MVP. And number one is the guy he lost to, Russell Wilson. He has nine touchdowns this year and only 11 incompletions. He's completing 85% of his passes through two games. And, yes, one was the Falcons, but one was Belichick's defense. So, yeah, Russell Wilson is definitely leading my MVP discussion right now. And it's it's even though Cam has played well, Russell is far ahead of the pack right now through two weeks, obviously. Uh, my Power 12 post-week two standings at 12. I believe they had them at nine last week. I got the Dallas Cowboys at 12. So, yes, I dropped them. After a week one loss, I dropped them. After, or I dropped them after a week two win because I didn't. I still think the Cowboys have looked very inconsistent. So I think you know there's you got to do something there. You got to figure out something you can do. Um, and you know it's not like they're just, yeah Dak threw the ball a lot, but Zeke ran the ball I think 21 times last week, 22 times. So it's not like they're just you know Zeke's running the ball 12 times and they're throwing it 60. That's not what's going on here. Dak had an unbelievable week, had 450 or 470 total yards of offense. It was a great week. Uh, you know, it was, it was a good week offensively besides the turnovers. The start was so bad. They played great in the second half offensively. The defense needs to figure out something. I mean, the defense looked the, – in the first half was not the defense's fault because the Cowboys put them in terrible situations with the turnovers. The second half, though, the defense could not – they couldn't do anything really. So, yeah, the Cowboys at 12 and 11. I got the Los Angeles Rams. Again, a shocker for me. I really thought the Rams were going to be like a 6-10 and 10 team, 5-11 and 11, to be honest. I thought they were going to take a huge step back. So far, they look like the Niners look like the worst team in the division, and this Rams look like the third best team. 
And that's being the third best team in the division is not bad because you got the Cardinals and Seahawks ahead of you. At 10, I got the Buffalo Bills. People are probably wondering whether you have the Patriots ahead of them or not. Again, the Bills through two weeks have got have played the was it the Jets? Played the Jets last week and then the Dolphins, right? So they played the Jets and the Dolphins through two weeks. Well, I can't go off much there. That's why even though they're two and zero, I do have them under some one and one. I do have them ranked lower than some one and one teams because I don't know. We're going to see this week. You play the Rams. You know, it's a team in my top twelve and a team that has played. You know, they played. They played the Cowboys and they looked really good against Dallas. You know, I like what the Rams are doing so far this year. Um, so yeah, we'll see what the Bills are really made of when they put. They're going to play a legit team this week. At nine, I got the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, one and one. Got a good win against the Panthers. I thought they could have been more impressive though. Um, you know, they played the Panthers. The Panthers aren't going to be a very good football team this year. Their defense isn't very good. Brady's didn't look very good again though. I'm not going to jump ship on Tampa Bay until after Week Seven. Because I think you got to give this team some time. You're coming together, and you're not just adding Tom Brady. You now have added Leonard Fournette, so you got to get this running back thing situated with him and Ronald Jones. You've also added Gronkowski. So you have three tight ends in Gronkowski, O.J. Howard, Cameron Bray. You also have Mike Evans and uh, Chris Godwin. So, I mean, you gotta, you got you to decide what are we going to do here because I think they should make a trade, in my opinion. I would trade either O.J. Howard or Cameron Bray. I would not have these three tight ends. I think they want Gronk there, and I don't think Gronk really has any value, especially the way he started the year. I think O.J. Howard and Cameron Bray do have some value, especially teams that are in need of a tight end. The Dallas Cowboys could get could use O.J. Howard or Cameron Bray for sure. Um, Dalton Schultz has played really nice. Blake Bells came in and played nice. But again, they're not, in my opinion, they're not starting tight ends in the, in the NFL. So, yeah, that, the Cowboys could look to trade for one of those guys. At eight, I got the New Orleans Saints. They were number three last week. The loss to the Raiders was bad. Bree's arm looks toast. I'm not high on the Saints. I think there's at least one, two, three. There's probably six teams that I would say I would favor over them going to the Super Bowl. I would favor Arizona, Seattle, Green Bay, Tampa, the Rams, and the Cowboys over the um, over the Saints. I'm not huge on the Saints, and their defense doesn't look very their defense looked pretty good week one, but again, that's against a team that's coming together brand new in Tampa. But then you play Oakland, and you get you just you let it you know you just get mauled. So yeah, I I'm not high on the Saints right now. I still have them in my top twelve for sure. Like you know, I think who they play they play the Packers, so that's a big one this week. At seven, I got the New England Patriots. Obviously, my pick for uh, comeback player of the year, Cam Newton. And now I'll definitely high on my uh, – he's number two on my MVP list post-week two. I love the Patriots. They, they're playing really good. Can't they, What Belichick has done goes from a pro-style offense and with Brady to literally running what Cam and – you know, what Cam ran at Auburn. It's literally that offense at Auburn, and it's working. But what, And, again, people are saying, you know, I can't believe they've you know gone to this college-style offense. Well, Belichick's adapting. Some, see, this is what some coaches and offense coordinators don't do. They don't adapt to what their quarterback does well. Josh McDaniels and Bill Belichick have adapted. They've said, you know, we're going to adapt to what Cam does good, and it's working. You were one yard away from being 2-0 and beating the Seattle Seahawks in Seattle. Russell Wilson. If Cam Newton gets in the end zone there at that last play of the game, Cam Newton's probably number one on my MVP list. You know, so, like, it's great. What they've done. Number six, Pittsburgh Steelers. 
Big Ben's played well. He's played well. He's he's done what he's needed to do through two weeks. I think he's you know he's getting back in the he's getting back in you know the mix of things. They're going to be better by week eight. The Steelers might be the best team, might be the second or first best team in the AFC. Um, their defense is the best in the NFL. They have the best defense in the NFL. Um, they're just so good everywhere on the field. Um, I would again, I would not be shocked if Pittsburgh was in the Super Bowl this year with that defense. I would not be shocked if they were in the Super Bowl. Um, at five, I got the Green Bay Packers sitting at two and zero. I love what Rodgers has done to start the year. Their defense still has some questions, but I love what Rodgers has done. Easy as that. Number four, I had this team as the best team in the NFC. I'm gonna I'm gonna bump them down to two. The Arizona Cardinals, only because of what Russell Wilson has done. So obviously Seattle's at three, Arizona's at four. The Cardinals defense only gonna get better, and that offense is only gonna get better too after they keep playing together even more. So. I love what the Cardinals have done. And then Seattle, I mean, they have the MVP front runner right now in Russell Wilson, so I love what they're doing. Um, Russell Wilson keeps balling. They're going to be very tough to beat. you got to sure up the defense, though. Their defense does not look very good. Um, number two, I got the Baltimore Ravens. Yeah, Kansas City won. Nothing's changed. Kansas City just proves to us again that they can play bad for three quarters and win a football game. They can play bad against Chargers for three quarters and win a football game. That's all the Chiefs have proven to me again. That they need to be good for one quarter most of the time. I mean, look at it, the 49ers. Kansas City was not good for 50 minutes. In the last 10 minutes, they turn it on and they win the game. That's all Kansas City has to do. I don't understand what people don't get. That's all KC needed to do. And again, I don't think you can rely on that all the time because there's going to be some games where maybe you just don't find it, you know, you don't find it late and you got to play good early. Their defense isn't that bad as people thought. That they have a really that young corner they got, I forget his name, Jerry Sneed or something like that. He's played phenomenal through two weeks. Their defense does not look that bad. They were shut down the Texans. Yeah, Herbert threw for three eleven, but they held him to twenty points. The Chiefs need to be good for a quarter, and they were, and that's how they won. They were good for a quarter, a quarter and a half, basically. They won over they won one in overtime. So yeah. And they play this week, one and two. So whoever's who's going to be my number one and whoever loses is still going to be my number two. I think those teams are the two best teams in the NFL by far. I don't think there's anyone close to those teams right now. And honestly, if it comes down to it, let's say these teams just keep progressing by the year's end, I think the three best teams in the NFL could be in the AFC. And that's me bumping Pittsburgh up to number three. Right now, I don't think there's any there, – I don't think there's a there, – there's a massive gap between two and three right now, though from the Ravens and the Chiefs to everyone else. So now we'll get into combat sports. Just a few things. Got some headlines. What's next for the fighters that were on last week's card? And then obviously we'll get into UFC 253 predictions. Not a great card, honestly, for a pay-per-view, but the last two fights are worth the money. Uh, the uh, vacant light heavyweight title fight between Dominic Reyes and Jan Blachowicz, and then obviously Israel Adesanya Paulo Costa for the middleweight title. We'll start off with, I guess, Floyd Mayweather is back. He's going to be boxing Logan Paul in an exhibition match. It's ridiculous. That sucks that this is a headline. Um, God, uh, okay, so here's what people always ask me. Why do I like watching the Logan Paul KSI or the Jake Paul any son Gibb fight? Because they're, they're the same experience level. And I think it's cool to let these guys fight. And in my opinion, KSI, Logan Paul, and Jake Paul don't even look that bad when they're facing each other. When they're facing each other. I don't want to see Logan Paul box Floyd Mayweather. People are like, well, Connor boxed Floyd. Well, that is a horrible comparison. 
Conor McGregor has boxed since he was 16 years old and been a martial artist for that long as well. He's a two-weight world champion in the UFC who gets fights done by knocking people out. So yeah, him and Floyd, I thought him and Floyd were fine. I didn't think they were, you know, Floyd was definitely a better boxer, but it didn't, it's not, it didn't look like, it didn't look like a shit show like people thought. Floyd would just run through him. Definitely people didn't think that. So, I don't want to see YouTubers box real boxers. Like Jake Paul, he wants to be a professional boxer, right? That's what he wants to do. He's boxing Nate Robinson. I'm fine with that. A former NBA player. That's fine. With, I'm fine with that. Jake Paul wants to be a professional boxer. If he keeps boxing like he has for years to come, that's fine if he some, builds himself up. Even when he gets into real professional boxing and starts boxing boxers, I want him to fight guys that are like 1-3 to start his career or 2-2 two two or 2-1. Two you don't throw Logan Paul. I know. I understand it's an exhibition match. Floyd is 50-0, the greatest boxer of all time. I mean, what are we doing? What are we doing? That is terrible. All right. Uh, Mike Perry back. Everyone thought he'd be gone for a while because of what happened at the what happened at the bar without ever yelling slurs to an old man or something. He's going to fight Robbie Law at UFC 255. I believe that is in November. Uh, that's the Garbrandt uh, Figueiredo card. So that's a great fight. I cannot wait for that. That is a fight, Robbie. I, this is what I want to see. Guys like Robbie Lawler and Donald Cerrone, I don't want to see them fight. And not that it's not high level. I don't want to see them fight grapplers and guys that are going to control them against the cage and shit like that. Like, I didn't want to see Robbie Lawler and Neil Magny. Didn't make any sense for me. Didn't make any sense for Lawler to step in there, in my opinion. This is a fight I want to see. I don't want to see Robbie retire if he's going to fight Mike Perry. Because you know Mike Perry's going to stand there and bang, and Robbie Lawler's going to eat it up, and they're going to stand there. I don't know who's... I, I can't make, I'm not going to make a prediction yet. I do predict somebody finishes somebody. That's going to be a great fight. I'm so happy that fight's booked. That is pure violence, and I cannot wait. Conor McGregor made a huge announcement today. And by what I've read, they are basically on the two-yard line with this. Conor McGregor is going to box Manny Pacquiao on December 19th, somewhere in the Middle East. Um, possibly for a world title, possibly not. We don't know yet. We don't know the entire. We don't know the entire information, the entire details of the fight yet. But from what is reported, Adi Attar has been talking with the UFC, and obviously probably been talking with Bob Arum for a long time about this. And the UFC is fully on board as well as Bob Arum. I think it's literally, it's down to settling the money. Um, which I'm guessing both both guys are gonna make a gajillion dollars. It's gonna be great. See, this is, again, this is not Logan Paul, Floyd Mayweather. And people ask me, don't you think this is a tougher fight for Conor than Floyd? I wouldn't say tougher. I would say more dangerous. So I, I did think Conor could beat Floyd. But Floyd's the greatest boxer of all time. So it was, it's definitely a tougher fight because it's harder to hit Floyd, in my opinion. We've seen Pacquiao go to sleep in recent years. We've seen him get knocked out. So... I would say it's a more dangerous fight because Pacquiao has more punching power than Floyd. I still, I still think Conor's way too big to get knocked out by Pacquiao. I do think Conor could knock Pacquiao out, though. I do legitimately think that. Um, so, yes, it's a more dangerous fight on that, on that side of punching power. But I think it's an easier fight because I think Manny gets hit more and he's been knocked out. So, yeah, I think it's a great fight for Conor. Possibly competing for a world title in boxing at 0-1. And I know not a lot of people are going to be happy about that. Um, but yeah, December 19th is what I'm hearing. If it's not December 19th, they're not going to do December 26th, I don't think. 
Uh, I think they'll end up moving it to early January. So, will that be possibly January 2nd, I think, will be a sign? 26 is Saturday. You got 27. So, yeah, January 2nd or December 19th is what I'm hearing. They're not going to do it the day after Christmas. It, that won't be happening. It's either going to be the week before Christmas, the weekend before Christmas, or the following weekend of the weekend after Christmas. So, January 3rd or January 2nd. January 9th maybe on the table. Anywhere from it's either going to be December I'm hearing December 19th is what they want. They want to do it this year because Conor wants the box Pacquiao and then he wants to be able to fight by late February early March in the UFC next year. So I'm either they December 19th is the date they're shooting for. It could be January 2nd or January 9th, but they do want to do it this year. They're not going to do it December 12th because maybe December 5th is an option. I don't know, but I'm hearing December 19th. They're not going to do it December twelfth because UFC is having a pretty big card that weekend. I think two or three title fights on that card. So they're not going. Dana's not going. Dana and Bob Arum are both not going to want to go head to head with Conor boxing Pacquiao and then the UFC fighting that day. Even though Conor Pacquiao would dominate the numbers, they're not going to do that because they're both with ESPN. So ESPN's not going to do that because you're going to have an ESPN pay per view card of the UFC on the twelfth, and then this is probably going to be on ESPN pay per view as well, uh, the nineteenth. So you're not going to want to go head to head with two pay per views on the same. You know, again, both. On ESPN, you're not going to want to go head-to-head with each other when you're on the same goddamn promotion. So December 19th is what I'm hearing. Conor McGregor, Manny Pacquiao cannot wait. Uh, what is next? Johnny Walker got a wild win against Ryan Spann. I mean, he was dropped multiple times, then drops him, and then finishes him with elbows. It was a crazy fight. Johnny Walker, I'd love to see Anthony Smith next. Um, Smith is on. Smith has a fight, but if he were able to win, I'd love to see that. Uh, Vulcan Ozdemir has a fight as well. That would be my second option if he gets a win. There's two good fights for Walker. Uh, Hosmet. Hamzat, uh, Shemaev, Rat. He is fighting. Uh, uh, he uh, just knocked out Mershart. Okay, so you're also high on him. Everyone wants to see him fight top contenders. Okay, well, I'm going to throw some top contenders in. Let's throw him in there to the Wolves already. Three fights in. Number one be Leon Edwards. N- nobody seems to want to fight Leon Edwards. Wonder Boy is a possibility. I don't think Leon would do that. If I was Leon, I wouldn't fight Shemaev because it makes no sense to fight a guy that has nine total fights, especially when you could be fighting for the title. Um, but if he were able to beat Shemaev and take all that momentum, he'd definitely be fighting for the title. Because I think Dana White already sees Shemaev as a top five contender. Um, another fight for Shemaev. I, love, I don't want to see Damian Maia. Damian Maia's so old. Let's not do that. Michael Chiesa would be a great one. As a main event, Chiesa. And I think Chiesa's fighting Rafael, though, right? I'm not sure on that. We'll have to check. But if he's not, I'd love to see Chiesa fight Shemaev. That'd be a great one. Uh, Nico Price, him and Cerrone tied. Uh, so for him and Cerrone, I have them th- run it back. Number one option, run it back. Number two option for Nico Price, Anthony Pettis. I think that'd be a really fun one. Now, people are going to say, what for your number two option for Don Cerrone? Hear me out. Number two option for Don Cerrone, mm, Michael Chandler. People are going to say, why would Chandler take that fight? Well, here's my thing. Donald Cerrone is a huge name. Yes, he's not elite of the elite for the lightweights or welterweights anymore. But why do we have to throw... I understand everyone knows Michael... Everyone thinks Michael Chandler's a dog, and you want to see him fight the top of the top, but why not give him one fight into the UFC? Why not give him one fight? And it's not, e- it's not an easy fight. You're not just going to run through Donald. Not everyone... Since, since the Conor fight, nobody's run through Donald. It's been decisions, I'm pretty sure. So, again... I think it'd be a fun fight. For his first fight in the UFC, have him fight Cerrone. There's a ton of matchups you can make outside. I mean, you're going to have Khabib and Gaethje fighting. You're going to probably do Tony Dustin down the line at some point. You know, Hooker could fight 
anybody. Nate Sarder fight Iaquina. Hooker could fight Oliveira. Why not have Michael Chandler get a, not a warm-up fight, but an, but a, you know, just give him, give him Don Cerrone. It's, it's, he should win it, but it's not an easy fight. And give Don Cerrone one more big fight. If Cerrone loses, then I think it's, you know, he, he walks away. Now what if Cerrone wins? Be a massive win. And then it shows that Chandler really wasn't the guy for the UFC. Tyrone Woodley, no one option, retire, in my opinion. Last three fights went brutal for him. He just looks so gun-shy. And again, his coach even said this, when you watch a guy start being very gun-shy and not throwing his punch, especially the power Woodley has, that's when you know it might be over. His career might be done. I mean, he's 39, 38 years old. If he does fight again, maybe give him like Neil Magny or Ponzinibbio. But again, I would just like to see Woodley ride off into the sunset, retire, you know, I don't want to see him fight somebody again and get, especially if he, let's say they threw him in there against Neil Magny, gets his ass whooped by Neil Magny. It's going to hurt his legacy. At least the three fights he's lost, he's lost to probably the three best welterweights in the world Usman, Burns, and then Covington. I told you Covington would finish him, though. For Colby Covington, I didn't even put a title fight on this because I think Covington is going to definitely have a fight before he fights for the title again because that fight is so far away in December. Number one option, easy. Jorge Masvidal. I mean, former teammates, now enemies, <laughs> you know. Trump loves both guys. Who would Trump root for? He loves Masvidal as well. Masvidal was at his uh, rally uh, today. He wore a Trump mask um, on the plane and entering Dubai when he was fighting Usman. I think it's a great story. It's just a great story. It's For me, it's the number one fight to make in all of, in all of the UFC. Number two, though, let's just say it doesn't happen. Let's say Jorge fights Nate. Well, then, why not welcome Nick Diaz back with Colby Covington? I would not mind to see that either. I think that's that'd be a fun one. Colby doesn't... Colby could wrestle Nick, but I think Colby's come to the point where... You, when he fought Usman, he was just not scared of Usman's power, so he's, he's, he stood and banged. When he fought Woodley, you could tell that... Wrestling was going to be a big-time game plan because Woodley's power. With Nick Diaz, I, people are so like, oh, I don't want to see Nick Diaz fight a, a leg hugger. I don't think he's a leg hugger. He, he's, he strikes a lot, you know? Look what he did to Lawler. Outstruck him. So why not Nick Diaz? That'd be fun. Either one of those would make me happy. Uh, final segment, UFC 253 predictions. Dominic Reyes versus Jan Blahovich for the vacant UFC light heavyweight title. Obviously, John Jones vacated the title. Gave uh, Jones is moving to heavyweight, so he you know let the t- he just said you know I'm not going to hold up this division anymore. Let's let these other guys fight for it. Maybe Jones returns at some point, but we'll see. I do like Dominic Reyes in this fight big time. I got Reyes via fourth round stoppage TKO. Yeah, I like Dom Reyes a lot, so that's what we're going to go with. Dom Reyes over Jan Blahovich via fourth round TKO. Israel Adesanya versus Paulo Costa, probably the most, possibly the most hype fight of 2020, no matter, over Khabib and Gaethje, I think this one's the most hyped. I think people are most excited to see this one. Um, in my opinion, I don't think it's going to be as close of a fight as people think. If Costa fights the way he usually does, reckless, throwing big haymakers, looking to land the knockout punch. I think Israel knocks him out in the first round. I think he catches him with a clean counter and knocks him out in the first round. I like Style Ben to be a first round KO. 
I'm just praying that Casa does not come out with the Yoel game plan and stand there and try to make Izzy come to him because that's not going to happen. This is what we saw with Anderson Silva. People wanted to make people did not want to come at Anderson Silva. They wanted to make him come to him, but Anderson was never going to do that. He's a counterfighter, same as Israel. They're kind of the same. He's not going to come to you unless he knows you're hurt. He's not just going to come at you though. He's a counterfighter. He wants Casa to come to him, as we saw him when he knocked out Robert Whitaker. What happened there? Whitaker came at him. He caught him with a counter counter right hand, dropped him, and then finished him. You know. And then the Romero fight happens. Romero stands there, doesn't be his usual self, and. You get a boring fight. I'm praying Costa does not do that. And I don't think he will. I don't think he does that. Because I know Costa, he's... Everyone realizes him as this big, strong, muscle guy with huge knockout power. And in my opinion, Costa needs to finish... If Costa's going to win, he's going to need to finish his fight in two, with two rounds. Because we've seen Costa's gas tank be able to run out a little bit. In the Yoel fight, he was pretty tired in round three. But now you got to go to round four and five. Israel's been there with Yoel, Kelvin Gaslam. So, yeah, I like Izzy via first-round KO. If not, I still think he ends up finishing him later in the fight, though, if, if Costa doesn't fight like how he usually fights. Thank you guys for listening. Be back next week.